0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Bruce Gore. And uh, Bruce is a new contact for myself, and he is a teacher, a Bible teacher, and has a website with many, many good teachings on it. Bruce, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Thank you, Dan. It's an honor for me to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: I came across you fairly recently, and I listened to a couple of lectures, and I thought, I really like this guy. <laughs> and um, I figured, well, we might as well get together and have a little chat. Um, you have a kind of a deep background in teaching. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, Bruce, and so that the listeners can kind of get used to you a little bit and understand you sure. a bit?
1: Yeah, well, it's, uh, I, I think teaching has always been something of a bee in my bonnet, you know. It, 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 uh, I think from really as early as I can remember, I've had this sort of educator's view of things. Even before I knew much, uh, you know, to teach, I, I kind of <laughs> had an inclination toward it. Uh, grew up in a, a fairly small Baptist church, actually, in a rural uh, town here in Washington State. Uh, Very conservative, uh, dispensational, um, and so that was the culture that I uh, grew up in. But when I um, reached uh, the age to start thinking about college, I really wanted to go to college. I was the first person in my family, even extended family that I'm aware of, that uh, went off to college. And so in 1970, or actually 1967... Uh, I went to Whitworth College. It's now Whitworth University here in Spokane, a Presbyterian affiliated school. And it was a wonderful experience. It really was uh, kind of a life-changing experience for me, although it was a tumultuous time, of course, the late 60s. A lot of college campuses were really uh, being ripped apart by protests and the Mm -hmm. Vietnam War and the hippies and all that stuff, you know, was kind of hitting the fan at that point. So it was a very interesting time to uh, to be involved in education. But anyway, uh, during that time, I uh, studied, actually majored in psychology. I've never quite understood why, but uh, I tested a bunch of others, and that seemed to be the last thing standing. So I guess I wound up in psychology by default. But I've I've never never been a psychologist, and never even been much of a counselor. But that was uh, the training. I minored in philosophy, and anyway, uh, when I graduated. I was in broadcasting, uh, both Christian and secular, just on the air uh, work, but a little school started here in Spokane. It was called Inland Empire School of the Bible. It was kind of a spinoff of Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland, and uh, that, that sort of uh, inclination to teach sort of tickled me a little bit, and I went by. And offered my services as a teacher. And they sort of rolled their eyes and said, Well, you know, what do you, you have no credentials, you have no, nothing to qualify <laughs> you. Uh, but the fact that I was in radio and, and uh, was, you know, of course, my profession was talking, they, they gave me an opportunity to teach speech or homiletics. And so I took it and taught there part time for about a year. By the time a year had gone by, I'd become full time. And taught there for several years, probably seven years or so. Um, and I, as I was saying to you earlier, I kind of view that as my seminary. I, I never went to seminary, but I did have an opportunity to teach just about every course that a Bible school would offer. And so it was a great opportunity to learn by the seat of my pants, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, and so I've appreciated that I was I was wise, more wise than I deserve to be credited with, by t- for taking New Testament Greek when I was at Whitworth. Uh, there was a wonderful uh, prof there, retired Presbyterian uh, pastor, philosopher, scholar who taught Greek, and so that was a that I've never I, I've I've always appreciated God's providence in, in having me just on a fluke take that class. So that was my one little. <laughs> opportunity to do something that most folks aren't able to do unless they, you know, go to seminary. But uh, besides that, um, the teaching at the Bible school was a was a wonderful experience. And in the process of teaching there, uh, I was given the task of teaching church history. And uh, church history, I'd never never taken an interest in church history. I, I believed when I first went to work there, that we were living in the end times and who cared about church history and you know the Antichrist is on the way and Mm -hmm. this is all kind of dry stuff that doesn't matter much. But because that's what they told me to do, I wanted the job, so I agreed to to do it. And and, uh, I have to say, that was really a a huge changing um, force in my life as I began to get acquainted with the great thinkers, people I'd never even been acquainted with. Um, But now began to know their names and something of their thought, you know, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Martin Luther, Calvin, John Knox, the Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, kind of these uh, incredible thinkers. And I realized that I had kind of been living in a little sort of Christian ghetto all my (laughs) life uh, and didn't realize there was a whole vast, wonderful, rich uh, heritage And I was very much uh, the beneficiary of it and yet knew virtually nothing about it. And so that began to change me. I I, uh, I became increasingly suspicious of the sort of of end-of-the-world view that I'd been entertaining and embracing because manifestly these people had a very different view of what God is up to in history. And it actually moved me so much that in 1978... I enrolled at Eastern Washington University here in in Cheney, actually not far from Spokane, to get a master 's degree in history
2: mm.
1: uh, which was kind of a scary proposition because I found myself surrounded by history majors, and I still didn't know much about the topic, but but I knew I wanted to know a lot more than I did and so that and I focused on Renaissance Reformation on the Puritans, English, and colonial puritans on on Scotland. This was a secular institution, but I had some wonderful profs who were extremely competent in uh, the areas I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I got my MA in 1980, I realized that I I could no longer teach at that school because they required me every year to sign a doctrinal statement. Without mental reservation, committing me to views that I now pretty much abandoned and oh, rejected, yes. and so on. Very amicable terms. In 1980, I uh, resigned from that. Bounced around for a year or two in some not very successful business enterprises, and wound up going to law school. And so, uh, then uh, graduated sometime later, and I practiced law here in Spokane for uh, you know 20 years or so. Mm. Uh, Retired from that a few years back, and actually the last job I had was teaching once again in a Christian classical school here in Spokane called the Oaks, and uh, really returning to my first love, and so I had the chance for about eight or ten years or so to teach um, basically high school seniors and juniors classes in Bible, philosophy, history, um, Greek, and related topics, so that's kind of the the short version of my uh, rather tumultuous career. You
0: know. <laughs> well, it's fascinating, and it's interesting, too, that you got a rich experience as well in law, and you actually practiced law for some 20 years plus. That's uh, that's a lot of experience, and that's got to be valuable. Um, it reminds me of uh, a well-known Dutch theologian, Abraham Kuyper, who um, was a pastor for a while, but then he pursued some other things for the kingdom of God and um, in an attempt to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is the way I interpret that. Well, today we're talking with Bruce Gore, and he's a Bible teacher. He has a website, brucegore.com, and his teachings are very rich and helpful. Um, Bruce, let's talk a little bit about current events. Some people are a little bit discouraged uh, because uh, things aren't going the way that we'd want them to here in America, and a lot of freedoms are being compromised. And uh, it's awful tempting, Bruce, to think that um, things are going to, you know, on a worldwide level, therefore, are going to continue to get worse and worse, and, and, you know... The enemy of our souls is going to have the day and all of that, but um, I think you have a different opinion, so I'm wondering if you could guide our thoughts a little yes. bit based on your studies.
1: Well, I've been on both sides of that uh, particular question. I, I grew up, as I was mentioning, in a in a background that really did uh, emphasize that these are the end times. It was the, when... Uh, Some of your listeners will know the name of Hal Lindsey and Mm -hmm. his very famous book, uh, The Late Great Planet Earth. Well, that was a big, big seller when I was young and just out of college. In fact, I heard Hal Lindsey speak when I was uh, a a sophomore in college. It was before he was quite as famous as he later became. But uh, a bunch of us uh, college students got into a bus and rode down to the University of Idaho where he was having a kind of a, a big uh, conference for college students. He was with Campus Crusade at the time. And I heard him speak, and he's a wonderful speaker, of course, a great uh, communicator, to, especially to young people. But his last, um, his last message um, to about 500 kids that were all in attendance there was on Bible prophecy. This was before he'd written his famous book, mm-hmm. But he was certainly uh, very much uh, involved in that uh, message. And, and he basically painted a picture of geopolitical events in the world, Soviet Russia, China, uh, all of these various forces. And he tied them to various images of the book of Revelation and Ezekiel and so on. And, of course, I was sitting there as a college sophomore. I, I thought, you know, this guy was obviously um, putting all of the puzzle pieces together together. And then he said, in the context of this presentation, that from his reading of current events in the world and his understanding of the Bible, he could not imagine that the return of Christ would be any later than 1975.
2: Mm.
1: Now, this was in 1968, you know. Yeah, and uh and i have to say sitting there uh at that moment he convinced me i mean he he thrown enough verses out there and made enough uh, you know connected enough dots and so on that it just seemed to me mm. that uh, uh that christ was going to return in the near uh, very soon and i tell you the biggest single um impact it had on me in the moment was to make me ask, why am I wasting my time in college?
0: Exactly.
1: Why am I investing all of that? I should be out on a street corner preaching. I should be, you know, you kind of get this mentality that that, uh, the return of Christ is going to be any minute now. And the psychological impact it tends to have is to cause... Christian people to detach themselves from long-term strategies for life, and to begin to make themselves gradually irrelevant, even though they think they're making themselves increasingly relevant. Mm-hmm. But by giving up on those kinds of investments that envision a long-term uh, benefit, and focusing rather on short-term uh, strategies of, you know, thinking that Christ is going to return— Uh, Really, the the Christian people who do that tend to find themselves isolating themselves from, you know, the things that that may shape uh, history in the long term. And uh, fortunately, uh, God brought into my life some very sane, cool-headed people who said, look, you know, regardless of whether Jesus is going to return right away, you should still stay in college. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad that I did. Because, as it turns out, as far as I know, Jesus didn't come back in 1975, and and still hasn't. <laughs> um, but it, it 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 did highlight for me as I began looking at this later. There have always been, always in church history, been people who thought they were living in the end times, and it does inevitably have the effect of making people detach from life you might say in terms of engagement mm-hmm. in trying to make things go in a better direction you know the old image the kind of caricature of people that put on a white sheet and get up on top of a mountain waiting for Jesus to return whether that actually happens in literal fact it certainly happens in a kind of figurative fact you know mm-hmm. that that people just step away and I, I again as I was saying when I read uh, the great thinkers of the history of the church, I realized they had a very different view of things. And their view was that we should be living our lives for the sake of the benefit to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-great-grandchildren. People will never meet. We can still invest in their lives. And it was it was a rather transforming uh, uh, effect it had on me to just begin to think that that there's there's a reason to invest in an education and in in doing things that are going to uh, have a view for you know the long view of history and and so it it happened rather uh gradually but over a couple of year period of time i just woke up one day and realized that that uh uh that, you know jesus said to his disciples you go into all the world and you make disciples of all the nations teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always. Mm. So a lot of uses the word all in that verse, and every one of them contemplates a project that is not yet finished. I oh, don't yeah. think we have yet made disciples of all the nations. I don't think we have taught them all to obey the commands of Christ and so on. And it seems to me that if Christ give that gave that command to his church, and promise to be with them always until the project is finished, it's hard for me to imagine that Jesus is planning to come back to a defeated church that That's has failed right. in that mission. That the very fact that Christ gave that as his last command to his disciples, and for the most part Christian people have viewed that as our great task, uh, it suggests to me that, that we should be taking a very different view of history and believing that, that, in fact, we are building his kingdom and that it is going to take some time and we should invest ourselves in it. The problem we have, Dan, in my view of it, is that people tend to read the the direction of history based on what they get in the latest blast from the Internet or what they read off the latest headline of the New York Times, you know, they they tend to measure progress not in terms of big big bites of history but in terms of very little bites in history you know my view of what's happening in america right now is that we are moving in a very very unhealthy direction and it isn't you know and if i were to base my view of history on what's happening uh in the last few years in the united states then i would indeed have a very pessimistic view <laughs> but uh but the fact is uh history moves a little bit like the stock market you know it it's up and down but the long term trajectory tends to be up you look at a you look at a 75 year chart of the stock market there's a very steady uh movement in a good direction but at any given moment it could be you know looking kind of ugly and and i think god's work in history is a little bit like that we we see that Uh, at any given moment, things can be kind of ugly, but in the great scheme, if you measure it by, you know, 500-year increments instead of, you know, five-minute increments, you begin to see that that, uh, there is a growth. There has been a steady uh, and very noticeable uh, growth of the gospel, growth of the influence of, of the gospel of Christ in the world, but it is a job not yet done. So we should be about the business of... Of giving ourselves to um, the to that prayer, Thy kingdom come. We should be laboring in the direction of building His kingdom, expecting that someday it's going to happen. Probably in my, not in my lifetime, mm-hmm. maybe not in the lifetime of generations to come. God says to, twice uh, through the prophets in the Old Testament, He will be faithful to the thousandth generation. Mm. If you do the arithmetic. Uh, even if you take a short view of a generation say twenty five years a uh, thousand generations would push us out there to about the year twenty five thousand a <laughs> d uh well, that means we may have we may have a whole lot more work to do before you know, this, oh, yeah. this job is finished so oh, yeah. anyway that that that's that's had a i think a very healthy impact at least on my own understanding of what our lives are about as Christians.
0: Yes, I share the some of the same experiences and share the same view actually. Um I think it can be a shock to people when they realize, oh, the coming of Jesus may not be right around the corner. It might be uh, a long way off. Is there any other scripture? Um I want to ask you two more questions before we we're, we're done today. Is there any other scripture that would teach this Anticipatory view of the spreading of God's kingdom in history, and um, how about one of those theologians you studied? Uh, do any <laughs> examples come to mind from one of those chaps?
1: Yeah, yeah, those are both good questions. I I have to say, I think the entire spirit of the New Testament breathes an idea that Christ uh, will eventually win this battle he Mm. is the king of the universe he said to his disciples all authority is given unto me so you go make disciples of the nations Uh, you you have all kinds of uh of wonderful and somewhat poetic descriptions of of the work of the gospel and history culminating in a time when the knowledge of god covers the earth as the waters cover the sea Mm. You hear statements to the effect that the kings of the earth are going to bring their glory and splendor into the new Jerusalem, which is identified with the people of God, the the temple of God. Well, if it's, and, and we hear, for example, in Revelation that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Yes. People often think that's referring to heaven, but how can it be referring to heaven if it's speaking of healing the nations? Correct. And speaking of the kings of the earth. Uh, Revelation 20 speaks of of a thousand year period of time. Sometimes, you know, people will call it the millennium, which is not a biblical word and has a lot of baggage, but it it does stand for the idea that the work of God in history is a long term project. A thousand years is simply a way of saying a real long time. It's not a way of saying <laughs> right. a, a discrete thousand years any more than saying that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills means that God doesn't own the cattle on the one thousand one hill, you know. <laughs> he he owns all the hills in the universe, thank you very much. And, and a thousand years is just a way of saying, this is a long-term project. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the uh, onslaught of God's people. Uh, on this rock, I'll build my church. Hell's gates are going to lose, ultimately. And, mm. and, you know, so it, I, I think that—I think sometimes people read texts— for example, in Timothy, First uh, Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in the later days, uh, you know, people will abandon the faith and they'll give themselves to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons uh, and so on. they read stuff like that and they hear the word latter days and they think it means the end times. But those kinds of statements of the New Testament in context virtually always are clearly referring to the end times of the Old Covenant era, which had to be set aside. The Old Covenant uh, apparatus, a physical temple, animal sacrifices, a Levitical priesthood, all of that had to be dismantled. Jerusalem had to be set aside. And certainly in those latter days of that Old Covenant period, all those things happened. But the, the undergirding spirit of the New Testament, it seems to me, points in a very different direction. Yeah. And so that's uh I I as you know, I those are at least a kind of a smattering of statements. <laughs> the 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 character that I, I think you really have to say well, Augustine certainly in his City of God uh painted a picture of a gradual growth of the city of God vis a vis the city of this world or the city of man. And and so he's probably the first one to really paint that picture in a way that, that you'd say had a somewhat dramatic effect in church history. Calvin, for his part, uh, did put a fairly sharp point on it. Much of his writings here and there clearly envisions that there's going to be this gradual growth and expansion. John Knox, who was four years older than Calvin, but sat at his feet like a student during his years of exile in Geneva, uh, just soaked that up. And he went to Scotland and basically recreated Scotland in the image of this vision that he got from Calvin. Mm. And uh, it was a complete transformation of what had been a fairly backwards country into probably the leading-edge country of the world at the time, you know. There was a guy that wrote a book some years back named Arthur Herman, which was entitled How the Scots Invented the Modern World. <laughs> and and even though he, uh, Arthur Herman... Uh, who I gather from reading the book isn't an, any, certainly no Bible-banging Christian. I don't know what his personal faith view is, but he didn't like Calvin much. He didn't like Knox much. But he had to grudgingly acknowledge that was the revolutionary idea that changed Scotland, do you know?
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: And then uh, I've heard people say, and I even people who aren't sympathetic to Calvin, that Calvin was the inventor of the United States because— the English Puritans and the Scottish Presbyterians uh, both showed up in huge numbers in the colonial period of the United States. And, and they basically created the cultural outlook that gave rise to, you know, Winthrop's famous sermon, A City on a Hill. Well, that was a Calvinistic idea. We are a city on a hill. That was the view. God is doing something new. And uh, this is a new step in in realizing those great ideas. Uh, uh, you know uh, perspectives and ambitions and anticipations of god 's work in history, so I guess i 'd say calvin knox uh, the the colonial Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, who was a robust uh, believer that <clears throat> that God is doing things that are going to culminate in a in a time of vast Christian influence around the world, He actually, in his writing uh, said he believed a time would come when the great theologians of the world would probably come from Africa. Mm. which is a rather remarkable thing for a guy to say who was a Puritan <laughs> in the colonial America, you know.
0: No, I'm looking at the uh, clock here, and I thought, you know, I'd love to talk longer, and all of a sudden we're out of time. <laughs> oh, I'm
1: sorry. I didn't, I didn't know I was being so... Uh, no, you're, here,
0: <laughs> you're perfect. You're right on the money. Um, today we're we're honored to talk with Bruce Gore, and I hope that we can talk with you in the future. Um, dear Christian, uh, do not be discouraged. Uh, God is working in this world of his, and indeed it is his world. Um, if a listener would like to go to your website and maybe take some of your courses, Bruce, uh, could you give them uh, the address?
1: Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's just uh, www.brucegore.com or easier yet, if a person just goes to YouTube and types in my name, Bruce Gore, uh my videos and my channel will pop up, and, and that's maybe a more convenient way to get at it, at least initially.
0: Well, some people really have the gift of teaching, and you're certainly one of them. Uh, Bruce, it's an honor for us to talk, and like I said, I'd like to do it again, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Dan.
0: And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.